The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, a lot of movement over the past week. The deadline now seems like a long time ago. Uh, but what a crazy flurry of moves that was. To, it was pretty fun to witness. As a fan, we'll get to a lot of those moves. How are you doing today, man? What's uh, going on outside of work in your life? Uh, not, not much. I mean, it's, the, the weather's great. Um, I, I haven't really been doing much besides work. I mean, I've been <laughs> really focused on my, my fantasy teams, uh, was, was up North at, a at a friend's cabin over the weekend, but, um, it's kind of down to the, the home stretch and I'm really sort of sweating the standings on a, on a day-to-day basis here. So, uh, it's a just, good sweat to have. That's yeah. great, man. I'm uh, glad you're doing so well in your leagues. I, I'm getting to ride your coattails in the main a little bit. Uh, our team's doing pretty well. Top 60 in the overall last time I checked. I don't want to jinx us, but um, I'm glad you're having such a good year overall yourself. It's, it's right. fun. I'm within striking distance in a lot of leagues. It's funny because uh, I'm top four – in all three of my main leagues and Todd Whitestone and I are in first place in one of our main event leagues, but, and we have 107 league points in that league and you and I have 107 league points in our league and we're in second place, but we're 52nd in the overall in that league. And the one where Todd and I are in first place, we're 116th in the overall. So (laughs) you and I are doing something right in terms of contending in the overall. I mean, mm. I, I don't know if we got enough time to, to push all the way up there, but um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've somehow been just sort of grinding through these, these injuries to our, our early round hitters and uh, just hoping for the best. I mean, we're, we're kind of, we, we dealt with the, the issue of being uh, almost down to dollar days on, on fab this weekend where we got shut out on, on a bunch of bids, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that's going to make it tough, but I mean, I hope that we can just kind of grind it out. Yeah. We've had some really key pickups like Abraham Toro, who I know you were, I think you were the one who put the bid in on him, getting him for like a buck or whatever it was. And uh, Dalton Varsho too. So some of those pickups that were pretty darn cheap at the time. And, really and, uh, Akil Badu was a good one. Yeah, Akil Badu. That's a great call. Uh, Vidal Bruhan didn't work out, and I apologize for that. And I did drop um, Andres Jimenez, too, who I kind of wish we could have picked up. This past week, I think we got outbid by like a dollar, like three to two, but uh, we could use some bags, and I think he should be up pretty soon, Andres Jimenez. But uh, glad to hear everything's good for you. I know you're busy with work, but um, – Outside of work for me, you know, I heard my brother called me today with an urgent report on the um, 
the locks versus um, what was it versus Dipset? Yeah, battle versus battle last night. So I gotta have to I'm gonna have to check that out. And I've I just want to say I've considered myself long. I've considered myself a documentary film buff, James. But I had never seen, and I'm embarrassed to say, I had never seen Hearts of Darkness, um, the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now. Great documentary. We got Francis Ford Coppola, like shirtless and shoeless, walking around filming his movie, and uh, Marty Sheen, like drunk on set, having a really a heartfelt moment. This is just a great documentary. So highly recommend Hearts of Darkness for you out there. But James, let's get into some baseball here. Guys on the move at the deadline. Uh, let's talk first about how you think the Nats did tearing everything down. I'm going to be visiting DC in September. My brother and I are going to go to a game and won't be much to see outside of Juan Soto, but Juan Soto will put butts in the seats himself. Uh, but Josiah Gray, Cabert Ruiz, Pretty nice one, too. How would you grade what the Nationals did at the deadline? <clears throat> I think they did a, a really solid job. Uh, it's just – it's kind of – it's depressing a little bit, I guess, if you're a Nats fan, uh, just because you did well on that return, I think. Uh, just, I mean, maybe for fantasy, like, you know, you're not you're not going to wow someone by – trading for Josiah Gray or, or Kbert Ruiz in a dynasty league. But the fact that those guys are probably the, at the two most coveted big league positions and they're big league ready, uh, that was going to trump uh, most team what the best package most teams could put together for, for Scherzer and Turner. But I think like kind of the more depressing thing, if I'm a Nats fan is just, you look at that that roster, you look at the farm system, even with these nice additions. And I mean, it, it really seems like this is going to be uh, a long road back. It just, you know, they're, they're really kind of decimated in terms of uh, high end talent. And that part of that was just the farm system was so weak heading into the trade deadline that even adding those guys, it's still a, a bottom 10 system probably. And, uh, yeah, I think they've they've done solid in in some recent drafts, but um, you know you don't have to apologize for that when you go win a World Series. Um, but I, I mean, I think they they did quite well. And uh, Kaber Ruiz, it's it's great to see him go to a team where he's going to be the the guy going forward long term. I know he's not. Uh, they sent him down and everything, um, but you know if you got Ruiz in a dynasty league, this is awesome uh even if you have gray in a dynasty league i mean this is pretty nice because the dodgers just had so much internal pitching depth that gray was going to get kind of the the tony gonsolin treatment here for the next year or two if he'd stayed in la so uh yeah you know most teams would have a really hard time parting with those two guys in in a trade even when you're getting scherzer and turner just because you got like a combined like uh, 13 years of control probably between those two. Uh, but they were spare pieces for the Dodgers. So I think it, it ended up being a win-win, but it's going to be a couple more lean years, I think, in Washington before there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. With Kaber Ruiz, I picked him up in the stake league. That is only a one-catcher league, but I just needed some um, – what I was hoping would be a warm body – uh, but he, as you mentioned, was not called up right away and I think assigned to AAA. I'd imagine we see him for a little bit because I don't really think you play service time games with a catcher like this, but maybe they don't call him up. Who knows? We'll see. And Josiah Gray, I like, I want to throw you an either or and kind of put you on the spot, James. But um, these two went in the same week in Fab and the Towers head to head. And I got uh, Luis Patino of the Rays. Uh, for like a dollar zero, and this guy, well, Josiah Gray went for more. So I'm wondering, rest of season and long term, do you like Luis Patino versus a guy like Josiah Gray? Who'd rather have? Uh, I like, I like Patino, um, not by a large margin, but I think he's got a higher ceiling, and 
you know, I mean, I wouldn't judge him by, I know he's had a, a few rough starts. He, he did have a really nice outing against the Yankees last week. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge Patino too harshly on, you know, his overall numbers at the big league level, because, you know, if you want to go look at who my top pitching prospects in the minors are, uh, they're all basically Patino's age or older, and they're not necessarily all that close to the majors with the exception of Shane Boz. So the fact that he's even made this many starts in the majors before turning 22 and has flashed that potential, you know, he's even with that, those kind of bloated ERA numbers. I mean, I, I still think he's pitched pretty well this year. So uh, I'd go Patino, uh, but I, I mean, that's no slide on gray. I just, I think Patino has got a really nice future and I anticipate, you know, if, if Patino could finish the year healthy, I anticipate having a, a decent amount of him in, in redraft leagues next year. Yeah. I like Patino quite a bit. I'm excited about both of those arms, uh, frankly. And after the, the Yankee outing that you alluded to for Patino, it seemed like on Twitter, the hype was building for Patino and it seems like for good reason. He's, yeah, the overall numbers may underwhelm a little bit, but he's flashed some serious upside, uh, Patino. So I'm kind of excited about him. I got him in head-to-head, which, you know, I'll need him in September. It's all about making the postseason, and we'll see how you do in September. You mentioned Saint, You mentioned Shane Boz. You know, they got Waka in there. I guess Archer's on his way back, but do you think the, the door's still open for Boz to debut this year? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't necessarily know when it'll be. I mean, as you, as you alluded to, they sort of just seem to have a, a never ending supply of, of guys ready to step into that rotation. But, uh, Boz has been really lights out, uh, even after getting the bump up to triple a and, um, you know, he could just be, I mean, this is a team that wants to win world series, right. And he could just be a, dynamic like two inning guy who you use to put out fires in the middle innings and in the postseason uh they might want to break him in and that that type of role in september but you know obviously hopefully we'd like him to either be used as a traditional starter or to follow an opener or maybe be the second guy in a piggyback situation i think all three of those are potential possibilities with him but uh, the Rays are definitely going to want to be careful with his innings. Um, you know, he hasn't thrown a ton this year, but I mean, this is a guy with a very, very risky profile from a health standpoint, just given how hard he throws and how young he is. I think they're going to want to be very careful with him, but he's so electric and and so good that I think they are going to want to get him acclimated uh, to be part of that that postseason run, um, we'll mention this later in the show. But I am going to be doing a kind of a mini update to the top 100 or so of the top 400 in a in a day or two, and I've already started working on that. Uh, Boz is going to be a top three pitching prospect. Uh, at sort of the rough draft I have right now is Grayson Rodriguez, Max Meyer, and Shane Boz back to back to back in the in the low or in the high 30s and you know i wouldn't wouldn't be that surprised if boz entered next year as the top pitching prospect in the game depending on how he looks down the stretch here yeah, i hated to see the news about tyler glass now and that's tough but the but boz i think could uh could have a bright future there and also a part of that that trade with glass now of course now with the nats getting Josiah Gray and Caber Ruiz is kind of like the, the big two in that Scherzer-Turner deal. I initially was like, yeah, not bad. But then I saw what the Twins got for just Barrios. And, you know, Turner's got another year beyond this year, so he's not just a rental. It almost felt like the return for Barrios, just Barrios, was on par with what the Nats got for Scherzer and Turner. Would you agree with that, or am I a little off base there? Um. You know, I think for like for fantasy, I think you'd rather have the twins return. But 
for real life, I think you'd rather have what the Nationals got because by a uh, decent margin. I mean, it just it just seemed uh, rather rather close to me. And I mean, it's here's the thing: like big league teams care so much about catchers yeah, and yeah. starting pitchers, but really, like catchers, catchers like Ruiz are just the absolute like pinnacle in terms of assets in a trade like this. So to get a catcher who's big league ready, who has shown uh, the type of offensive upside that Ruiz has shown at AAA this year, who's going to be able to be a solid defensive catcher, like that's going to dwarf most deals out there, most most prospect packages out there. Like I think like Kaber Ruiz, like I think you have a, a case that he's like a top 15 real-life prospect in the game. And he's he's nowhere near that for fantasy, but um, you know we in fantasy we want guys like Austin Martin, guys who are gonna maybe have multi position eligibility, gonna play every day, gonna uh, possibly be five category guys. Um, like you, you'd much rather have Austin Martin than than Ruiz in fantasy, but I think it's just that that catcher tax uh, in real life it's it's very real, and uh, I also think. You know, Simeon Woods Richardson was a guy who I had ranked uh, ahead of Josiah Gray for for most of the season. Um, but Wood Richardson has really just kind of like something something's off with him right now, and I don't really know what it is. But uh, he's just been really bad over his last like ten starts or so, and he was absolutely excellent over his first, you know, whatever eight starts. Uh, so. I, I think you look at that and you look at the fact that Gray is is up. Like he it's not like you have to wait for him to go like fix whatever's ailing Woods Richardson and then go to AAA. Like Gray's ready. Gray's big league ready. So you get a big league, like number three starter, and you get a, a big league ready catcher who could be a plus offensive contributor and a and a solid defensive contributor. I think that from a real life standpoint, I think pretty much every team would take the package the Nats got. Uh, but that's that's really more just about the proximity aspect and just how much that matters to, to big league clubs. Uh, and it it's really it really does kind of showcase the difference between real life prospect value and, and dynasty prospect value. Yeah that's really interesting. You're right about the real life catching tax. And it's, you know, for good reason. I'm wondering, do you know how Ruiz grades out in terms of, like, framing and receiving? Uh, I, I think, know. you know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on that with him. Um, uh, from what I can recall, like, in terms of just, you know, whenever I'm looking at, like, a catcher framing, like, for the most part, like, sometimes a guy will just be so bad that it stands out, like, when you're just watching mm-hmm. a game, like, uh, but from what I've been able to gather, he's continued to improve at that aspect of his game over the past few years. Um, the Dodgers are, are great at, at teaching guys that, that skill. Um, the reason I ask is just because the more I hear about the, uh, robo umps on the farm, the more I feel like it's probably a little ways away yeah. uh, coming maybe as soon as I thought a couple of years ago. Just a I don't lot think, to iron out still on that end. I, I don't think teams are like teams are factoring that in, like in sort of in the back of their back of their minds, but um still a ton you know, of value I, being placed on good receiving right. and good framing. Yeah. I'll I'll put it this way. Like I, I I have not heard anyone say in recent years that there's really any shot of Ruiz having to move off catcher. So I think like yes. at, at worst you're probably getting like an average defensive catcher. Well, before we move on, let's first throw to a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now we're back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. The Cubs, as part of their teardown, they bring in Pete Crow Armstrong, Nick Madrigal, Kevin Alcantara, Alexander Viscaino, Alexander Canario, Caleb Killian. What do you think of this Cubs? I mean, this seems like a full-on rebuild. What do you think of this move and how they did well, all these moves and, and how they did to refill the system? So I'd give them an A plus on the Baez return, getting Pete Crow Armstrong. I mean, that's just a an absolutely awesome get for a guy like Baez. Uh, I mean, I think Crow Armstrong could be a top fifteen prospect in like a year. Uh, he's obviously done for the season. He only played in like a dozen games or something like that before. Um, can't remember what his injury was, but uh, I mean, he's just, I think he's a five tool guy. Uh, oh yeah. Shoulder injury. Um, I think he's a five tool guy. I think he's someone that could hit first or second in a big league lineup someday. So I think, I think the Cubs absolutely crushed it with Crow Armstrong. Uh, Nick Madrigal. I mean, I think that that's, that's fine. Uh, I mean, I've from a real life standpoint, Nick Madrigal, is maybe a, a bit better than, well, actually, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he's just such a tough guy to value, but I think getting a guy like that who has proven that he's a very legitimate 300 or better hitter. Uh, and he's, he's obviously big league ready. The Cubs don't mind that he's, that he's hurt right now. Whereas the White Sox, like the White Sox aren't trading magical if he's, if he's healthy, but the White Sox want to win this world series before there's a potential lockout. So um, you know, I, I applaud the White Sox for being willing to trade a guy like that. Uh, I think, I think the Cubs did fine in the Kimbrel deal. Uh, the Rizzo deal, I think they did solid. I mean, I think that's just kind of a big gamble on Kevin Alcantara, but, uh, he's got a ton of upside and, and he's had a, a strong start to the year. Um, Alexander Vizcaino. He's someone that I was really high on before the year and he's dealt with some injuries and he hasn't performed very well uh, in, in a small sample. Since those injuries, I've actually moved on from Vizcaino in some dynasty leagues just because like, you know, I mean, with a, with a pitching prospect who's not all that close to the majors and has some relief risk and is, has been hurt and has not been performing. Like, I think you, you gotta be willing to move on from those guys in dynasty. Uh, the one where I, the, I didn't like the return for Chris Bryant, um, Canario, you know, he's got as much raw power as almost anyone in the minors. But I think, uh, the reason why the, the, Giants had no problem moving on from him is because he already had to be added to the 40 man roster and he's nowhere close to, to big league ready. So um, you're going to have to carry Canario on your 40 man for the next like two years. And maybe if you're lucky, he's, he's ready then. So I just don't think that that's all that great of a use of a 40 man spot, but if you're rebuilding, I guess, I guess you can kind of deal with it. But I mean, the strikeouts are always going to be a huge issue with him. 
the raw power is massive. I mean, maybe he could be a Jorge Soler type of guy, but uh, I I just don't love that. And then uh, Killian, I mean, the numbers look great. Uh, The stuff is probably not as good as the numbers. So maybe, maybe you get a fourth or fifth starter with him, but I mean, I think the reason that that hall was worse than the the hall for the other guys is just because of the uh, amount of of money that Bryant's owed over the rest of the season. But um, I I think the the Bryant return was the worst return. But I think given that they did so well for Baez, they did pretty well for Kimbrel, they did solid for Rizzo. I mean, I think they did a really nice job on the whole. Um, just getting, getting a guy like Pete Crow Armstrong into your system who you can really kind of pencil in as like a, a future, uh, high end everyday player for you. And he, his timeline lines up pretty well with a lot of their other high end, um, offensive players like Reginald Preciado, uh, Ed Howard, guys like that. I mean, Brendan Davis will probably be ready sometime next year, but, um, you know, Christian Hernandez, guys like that. I mean, that he, he kind of lines up with that timeline. So uh, I think just getting Crow Armstrong makes this a, a massive win for the Cubs. Nice. Yeah, not a lot of players, you know, in this group who you think about stashing for this year. It's not really stashing season at all anymore, hardly. I mean, it's kind of sad, but minor leagues wrap up after this month and – uh, no roster expansion, too. I think rosters stay at 26 all year, right? Maybe they go to 27, but um, not really stash in season. But I do want to ask you, were you in on Rafael Ortega? He's a guy who, with the trades from the Cubs, you know, playing time opened up, opens up. I added him in one league after that three-homer game, but do uh, you think this is just a flash in the pan? 30-year-old? Uh, I mean, journeyman. I, I think uh... – Tried to add him in a few places over the weekend. Uh, was unsuccessful. That that three homer game definitely put him in a price range. I wasn't willing to go in in NFC yeah. leagues, but I was surprised yeah. I got him. I got him in the FSGA league where I'm second, trying to track down our buddies at the NFBC, Greg and Tom. So I have yeah, I mean, uh, a little invested in Rafael Ortega now. I think it's a good. You know, you just ride ride the hot bat, ride the guy who's playing every day. A uh, little bit of power, a little bit of speed. I, I mean, I I was trying to get him, but I wasn't, you know, I think you, you've probably already seen his best production, so I wasn't going to go crazy for him. Absolutely. Now, for the Rangers with their rebuild, you know, behind Spencer Howard, I don't recognize a lot of these names. I do recognize Kevin Gowdy, but um, this doesn't seem like a great influx on paper. Am I wrong in that? Is this, do you like the return for Texas? Uh, you know, I, I don't like, I don't like it that much. I mean, the, it was originally reported that Everson Pereira was going to be in the deal and that not happening made it less exciting. I mean, he's a guy that you could really dream on who's, who's having a breakout year and he actually just got bumped up to high A. He was at low A for like a, a couple of weeks and he started in, in the Florida complex league. So Pereira's already on his, his third level this year in about a month. Um, so him not being in the deal after it was reported that he was in the deal is, is disappointing. Uh, Josh Smith is a guy who I've been high on for a while and Clay, he's he's the type of guy that you would make fun of me for for being high on because uh, he's a second base, second base only. <laughs> he's a second baseman who um, is a little old. Uh, he's he's already he's going to turn twenty four here shortly. Um, but I mean, his statistically he just absolutely pops and he's definitely been old for his levels, but um, you know, the pandemic kind of played a role in that, right? Like, I mean, he, he would have opened at, at high a this year or maybe a low a, but he he would have opened in a full season league uh, last year had there not been the pandemic. And so he's kind of making up for lost time, but everywhere this guy goes, he just tears it up. Uh, 
he's he's never hit worse than 320 at a level. He's never been worse than 60% better in league average at a level. Uh, he's pretty much had walk rates over 12% at, at every stop prior to this trade. And so, I, I mean, I'm really into what he could do as a, you know, like a, a number two hitter maybe if, if he were to max out. But, um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me also if he gets bumped up to double A and maybe hits a bit of a wall where, where these, these crazy eye-popping stats just tail off in a hurry once once he gets bumped up to double A or triple A. So uh, that's why he was available. I mean, the Yankees were like, let's cash this guy out now while his you know statistics look so pristine rather than risk him his trade value kind of cratering after we bump him up to double A. Uh, but I, I do like Josh Smith. Ezekiel Duran is, is kind of, um, you know, he, he's toolsy. He, he's a little bit like Canario where uh, he has to be added to the 40 man roster. Uh, Canario is already on the 40 man, but um, Duran has to be added to the 40 man after this season. And he's not particularly close to the majors. Uh, he's probably going to open next year at double A and he's, struck out a lot at, at certain stops. So just having that guy who's taken up a 40 man spot and isn't, isn't all that close to the majors, that's not something the Yankees really wanted to deal with. So, I mean, it wasn't that hard to pry him, pry him loose from them. And uh, Trevor Halver is a, is a nice cautionary tale uh, to not freak out about uh, pop-up guys in, in April um, or May. Uh, like, he he went off like crazy in the first like 10 games this year and then hasn't done a ton since and is old for the level and can't really play defense anywhere. So not that into him. Uh, Glenn Otto is a, is a nice cautionary tale to not, not uh, judge pitching prospects just by strikeouts. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he can be a, a back-end starter, but a lot of people think he's a reliever just due to uh, the lack of a, a deep repertoire. So uh, not really into those last three guys. I like Josh Smith. Uh, Kevin Gowdy, I think, is just worth mentioning. He came over from Philly. He was a a high upside prep righty like five years ago and had a ton of arm injuries, but he's bounce back this season and, and reestablish some trade value, but uh, he's kind of more of a watch list guy right now. Um, now, I mean, they did just give up, I mean, Gallo, you know, I, I think that they probably shopped him around and like, I'm not, I'm not saying that there were better offers out there, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe, maybe they pulled the, the trigger too quickly on this one. Uh, they did this one uh, a few days before the deadline. And, you know, I really think the way that Gallo profiles in Yankee Stadium, like I think they could have maybe squeezed the Yankees a bit harder than they did. Uh, you know how much Cashman loves these type of these guys with the 80 grade power. Um, you know, I would have been like, just you can keep Otto, you can keep Hover, you can keep Duran. Uh, we want we want someone better uh, to headline this deal. We want it to be Pereira and Josh Smith. And, you know, maybe, maybe we want Kevin Alcantara, like something, something like that. I mean, I think that you could have maybe squeezed a bit more out of New York for, for Gala. Well, we got more to get to, but we got to take care of a little business first, a little good little piece of business as a legendary announcer, Jim Ross would say couple of words from our sponsors. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? You can head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. 
WinBet is currently available in six states while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Also, NFL is back on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 1. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free RotoWire sub. Go to uh, rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Then uh, play your first paid contest and re- receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. So, uh, James, as we continue on here, you know, with uh, the Rays, it felt like getting rid of Rich Hill, kind of like a cost-cutting move, although Rich Hill, maybe they spotted something with him because he hasn't been very good with the Mets. But with him and uh, Diego Castillo, kind of felt like cost-cutting measures. But did they actually get a decent prospect back for Diego Castillo, the Rays? Uh, Austin Shenton, is, he's fine. Uh, he's not on my top 400 yet. He's he's no Caden Polkovich, who Ooh, I like uh, that name. Who is still in the Mariners system? Is he a Wisconsin uh, but, guy. <laughs> yeah, you part you'd of think that hotbed. So that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that hotbed of busts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of felt bad about that take, but I mean, it's it's deserved. It's Look, deserved. I gotta, those, those guys got to rally and and prove that take incorrect. Um, That's true. But uh, Shenton, you know, he's fine. He's uh, he's older. Uh, Tacoma or, or uh, uh, gosh, what's their high A uh, affiliate? Um, the Rays? No, the the Mariners. Um, it's a it's a uh, it's a hitter friendly park. I mean, you look at what he did there. Um, you know, I mean, he, he struck out a decent amount. He was 23. He was at high A. Then he goes to double uh, A, 10 games there. Uh, Babbitt over 400. I think the Mariners did pretty well to cash him out when they did. Uh, and then, I mean, it's he's just the type of guy where the Rays are just the worst place for him to go because, you know, it's just he, he really has to max out basically to, to be a guy that gets significant playing time with them um you know i I mean i think you're right like i think and we we saw what relievers went for uh craig kimbrell got a really nice player back in nick madrigal but the the rest of the relievers that got moved really didn't fetch that much at all yeah Um, cody Cody hoyer too pretty nice right yeah Yeah. Uh, i'm actually actually plugged Hoyer into my my Tout Wars lineup this week. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's not I'm, the worst in a draft and hold. I mean, some of my draft and holds plugging in a lot worse than that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to trying to catch Matt Williams. Uh, we're we're battling at the top of the the Tout Wars draft and hold leaderboard, and I'm. This is maybe my last week where I'm going to try to get some saves, and if I if I don't get any saves this week from Hoyer out of Vino, I might just just punt saves the rest of the way there. But punt. Um, might be punting time, but um, by the way, high A Everett, I think, is uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, used so to be Ever- Modesto. I need a Modesto nuts hat, by the way. Still, <laughs> still looking to grab one of those. Um, but yeah, yeah, Everett's uh, a pretty hitter friendly park, and I mean, Shent- Shenton's fine. He he doesn't like I mentioned Polkovich. Polkovich is is rocking a, like a 41% hard hit rate and Shenton's rocking a 30% hard hit rate and Shenton's older. And so I, I think people are maybe getting a little too excited on him. Uh, so I just, I kind of wanted to mention that. Um, one, you know, the, the trade that maybe took me by the most surprise that the Rays made not because they traded for Jordan Luplo. I mean, that's, he's a classic Rays platoon guy. He mashes lefties. Um, 
But uh, Peyton Battenfield was a guy who I think I put inside my top 200 on the last update. And I'm, I'm kind of a little bit second-guessing that ranking uh, just based on the fact that the Rays were willing to part with him for Luplow. Uh, Battenfield is a big-time strike thrower. Um, he's, you know, statistically – he stacks up with almost any pitching prospect in the minors this year. I know he's, he's old and he, he's almost 24. Uh, he's only made seven uh, appearances at double a, but I, I was pretty high on Battenfield. So the fact that they traded him for Luplau uh, was a little surprising to me. So I'm kind of interested to see how he does in his new org. Um, I mean, Luplau's a classic Rays guy. I'm, I'm sure he'll help them down the stretch. So, um, you know, they might just be thinking, hey, like, we've got so many pitchers. Uh, we just – we don't know what to do with all of them. And this guy is not going to help us this year. Luplau will help us this year. Um, so, you know, maybe it maybe it ends up working out for, for both sides. But that, that was one of the more surprising – deals at the deadline because I, I thought Battenfield was someone that they might want to hang on to. You know, they're not on our rundown, but I have to ask about the uh, Colorado Rockies not trading Trevor Story because given some of the other returns, it's hard to imagine they didn't have a better option on the table than just receiving a comp pick once, once he signs with uh, another team. Maybe it was like, they got gun-shy after the backlash to the Arenado deal. It's just hard to fathom. I mean, hard to make any sense of that move to stand pat on Trevor's story. I picture, like, the Rockies front office, like, the phones ringing and, like, no one being there to pick up the phones. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, out, out to lunch completely. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, Yeah, they've been out to I mean, like a long boozy lunch for, I mean, you're just like, or like someone's like sleeping with like a newspaper, like over their chest or something like that. And like a bunch of like takeout food, just kind of sitting there, like flies are buzzing around and stuff. And like the phones are sort of ringing and like, you know, people are just kind of, you know, waking up from, from a nap and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't really know. It's kind of seems like a, I mean, maybe this is overthinking it, but it kind of seems like a like just I don't really imagine this went into it, but it kind of like a spiteful thing to do to story, like because you attach that draft pick compensation to him makes him you probably dings his market value a little bit. I don't know. Totally. I mean, it's, it, it's like I, kind don't, of, it's I don't. Just, I don't think that a <laughs> rotten move stinks all around. I I don't think that they did that like. You know intentional I mean? like i don't think they were like you know we're gonna we're gonna stick it to story like i don't i don't think they did it like that i think no, there was just maybe some really misguided like I, i've heard maybe that should have gone heard, into their thinking like maybe we should do right by our player here for you're gonna or leave i think it was maybe a little bit of like you better get this level prospect if you're going to trade our best player because then fans aren't going to want to come see us suck for the next two months like i don't know right it's put more stock into like you know butts and seats over the final two months not that story would even really affect that they probably price that into their (laughs) trade evaluation people don't go to rockies games because of the players in the lineup like people go to rockies games because it's beautiful and you're it's like a party and you're yeah you're looking for something to do like you're looking to have some fun like people half the people at rockies games aren't even watching the games they're just hanging out (laughs) and drinking like in those upper deck spots so like um that's crazy and I mean, I, I really think like there, I think there was some reporting on this that maybe, maybe the Rockies started off with like a crazy high asking price that like sort of scared some teams away initially. And then by the time that they sort of were willing to lower it, you had teams sort of making other moves. You had, you know, the Brewers go get Eduardo Escobar. The Dodgers are like, well, we'll just get Trey Turner because he's better in Trevor Story. And, you know, by the time that they had sort of priced the return appropriately, they they might not have had a, a buyer for him. And 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw like you saw what the the Cubs had to settle for for Chris Bryant. I like honestly, I might rather have the comp pick than what the Cubs got for Bryant. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that they probably just misjudged the market in initial talks with these teams, and they're probably not a very easy team to to do business with right now, especially during the season. Uh, so. You know, I mean, it's it's very disappointing if you're a Rockies fan, of course. But I mean, none of, none of us are really surprised that it went this way. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what ends up happening on the open market with them. Yeah, just more so like another crappy byproduct of their crappy moves. But yeah, you just hate to see it, them not do right by the player. He just was left confused, as he said. Didn't have any idea what was going on, and now he has. Imagine he loses money because of that deal to not trade him because he will have that draft pick compensation attached to him in free agency. I would love to know. I don't know if we ever will know for sure, but which team it was that wanted to put Story in center field? Maybe that was the Dodgers. I don't know. Uh, well, wow. I think maybe it was the Red. The, I think it was the Giants, maybe. Um, okay, that makes some sense. But. Um, it's just hard to believe that didn't go anywhere. But anyway, um, Diamondbacks felt like they had more to do, but I guess they really didn't have a lot that was all that appealing on the market. They did trade Eduardo Escobar. Um, were you bummed that the Brewers had to part with the prospect they did have to part with to get him? No, I just – I think, you know, Alberto Cyprian is – the, the main guy that they gave up uh, just at least for fantasy. And usually, usually at the deadline, like one or two interesting Dominican summer league guys or uh, complex league guys get moved. And it's just kind of like, Oh, like what that team must've saw something in that guy. So um, Cyprian's just a guy that I think you should just keep an eye on. Uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, over the rest of the season, but I mean, he, he has really stellar numbers early in the DSL. Um, so just just a guy to monitor in deep leagues. And the Phillies, they bring in um, Hans Kraus as part of that deal with uh, Texas. So I remember I, I had Hans Kraus rostered on a few on a dynasty league or two, maybe an RDI. Uh, seems like the star has fallen a little bit. It never was all that high, but. Um, do you think this is a decent buy on, on Kraus for the Phillies? Uh, I think it was a decent buy on Howard by the Rangers because I think now the Rangers don't have much track record of developing pitching prospects. Uh, Howard, obviously no longer prospect eligible, but I mean, he's still basically a pitching prospect. Um, I think just getting him out of Philly, I think, you know, I've been with Howard, you know, there's a few guys where like they just seem like different pitchers from like when we saw him in, in like 2019, like Spencer Howard just looked like a future frontline pitcher in the Arizona Fall League when we saw him. And he just hasn't been anywhere close to that. Uh, been really reliant on his fastball, uh, despite having all these all these off-speed pitches that just look really nasty uh, back in the AFL. And so I just, I think hopefully a change of scenery, maybe, you know, different sort of philosophy in terms of how, how he's getting developed could really help Spencer Howard. Hans Kraus, I just wanted to mention as, you know, he, he used to be a, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever had him number one in the Rangers system. I, I think he was, by some outlets, the, the number one Rangers prospect a while ago. And I'm pretty sure he's a reliever at this point. Uh, so I just, just wanted to mention that. But uh, if you're holding on to Spencer Howard shares in Dynasty, I think you just you have to be happy that he's, he's on to a different organization that is going to sort of put his development first rather than winning ballgames first. Because I think he was sort of the fact that the Philly, the Phillies are kind of like the NL angels where they're just, they, they just are trying to win so badly uh, in the short term that like a guy like Spencer Howard, I think just got jerked around so much that it, it was just really nice to see him get out of there. So I'm, I'm not saying that how, like he, you know, the stuff has to 
kind of return to, to where it was for him to, to kind of still make good on that upside. But I, I'm still happy that he's in a different organization. Speaking of jerking around, by the way, did you see that, that Senzel's going back to short? How hilarious is that? Just insane that they uh, crazy man. I mean, they just that guy's development. <laughs> development is a real thing that separates organizations, and the Reds have shown some progress on that front, but they still do some I'm, scratching things. You know, I'm not. I, I wonder. Nick Lodolo, by the way, Lodolo bumped up. Love to see yeah, that. sorry to yeah. cut you off. Well, I I was just gonna say like Senzel it just. It might be know, time to I, I time to close the book a little bit. I'm I'm iffy on blaming the Reds for that. I, okay. I think I think it might. We well, did, did him no favors anyway. That's true. That's true. And I mean, the injuries and missed time have definitely contributed. But I mean, he he was a guy with makeup concerns dating back to like hmm. high A, double A. And I didn't really know that. Hmm. Yeah, I've never really um, heard those. Never heard that. I, and he, I just wonder about that. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily want to put it all on the Reds. I mean, like Jose Barrero seems to be developing just fine. Uh, now, it's easier. Like the Reds did him absolutely no favors. You're totally right because the, his two best positions were third base and second base, and they were just like, nope, we we're not gonna, we're not going to let you play there. Nah. <laughs> We're good um, on those spots. But, We're, but those yeah, spots I mean, aren't, aren't a need at the big league level. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's crazy. But yeah, I did enjoy seeing Nick Lodolo bumped up. But as we wrap things up here, James, I know you're doing a first year player draft mock. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? Yeah. Uh, Jesse Roach, who you should all be following if you're not uh, over at baseball prospectus uh set up uh, a really really stacked group of uh prospect analysts to do a 15 team first year player draft mock um you know a lot of a lot of people you'd recognize a lot of a lot of friends of the show uh like chris welsh uh jeff ponce ray butler uh chris clegg eric cross Eddie Almaguer, Matt Eddy, Brett Sayer, Shelly Burstrait, Chris Blessing, uh, Michael Helpern, Ben Wilson, uh, Chris Crawford. Uh, I think that's I think that's everyone. I mean, just really a loaded, loaded group of, of smart prospect analysts. And we're we're doing a now we're not including international guys because uh, they're not going to sign for until January, I think. So. Um, we don't even know who's exactly going to sign. So um, I think it's smart to not include the international side there. And then it's just, it's also just a tough market to really to research and then kind of um, figure out right now. So it's just players from this past draft. And I was picking fifth and I got my, my number two guy. Uh, I got Henry Davis with uh, the fifth pick and Henry Davis actually went yard in his first pro game, uh, albeit in the complex league, but uh, Jordan Lawler went first to Chris Welsh, then Marcelo Mayer, Khalil Watson, Jack Leiter. So I got Davis at five, which I was really stoked about. Um, I, I think I tweeted out a link uh, a couple days ago. So if you want to see the full board, uh, you can go to my, my Twitter page, but um I also then so my second pick I was picking twenty sixth, and I was really really torn between Connor Norby, uh, second baseman who the Orioles selected, and Will Bednar, the righty that the Giants selected. I went with Norby. I mean, I think he's I think he's the sleeper of this draft class. Uh, college hitter could move to the majors pretty quickly. Uh, Jeff actually told me that the Prospects Live guys got 70 grade run times on Norby. Uh, he hit like over 410 um, since the start of the 2020 season. Um, so I, I just think Norby's awesome. I, I like him more than Colton Kowser, who the Orioles took fifth overall. And so getting him at 26th 
I was excited, but Will Bednar, I also love, I love the fit with him in San Francisco. So that was a tough call. Um, I kind of get the sense that like, I'm going to be recommending everyone just try to pop Norby in the second round of their first year player drafts. Uh, if that's possible, of course you could go out and just rake and then maybe the price gets a bit higher. But, uh, then with my third pick, uh, pick 35, I took Jackson Merrill, the infielder, the Padres took in the first round. So I'm pretty pumped about how this is going. Uh, you know, we're all the, the thing about a draft class like this, where it's just a really weak draft class and really no consensus outside the top seven or eight guys is you're going to be able to go get your guys basically. And you're going to feel, or at least you should feel pretty good about the values you're getting in a first year player draft when that's the case. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think uh, people could learn a lot and just kind of get a good feel for, um, like if your trade deadline hasn't passed and you're going to be trading your picks in your dynasty league, uh, this will give you a good sense of sort of which type of players are going to be available in which spots. Kumar Rocker, by the way, probably won't be available in a lot of drafts because he didn't sign. And what do you think is next for him? He's not going back to school. What does Kumar Rocker do for the next year, do you think? Um, I think I saw Jeff say he might be going to Asia, hmm. uh, which would make sense. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, Otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's that's so, a it's, tough situation. It's such a bummer. I mean, like, obviously his camp saying he's healthy, uh, the Mets are going to get a, a pick next year out of this. Yeah, um, like the 11th so, pick, isn't it? Like, just because yeah. they get a pick that's right around the 10th pick anyway. It's, yeah. Forget it's the just, rule it, exactly. It sucks. It sucks for Rocker. Um, really bummed for him. I mean, his, you know, he was a guy, he was like the talk of, he was the talk of college baseball for, for a couple of years, basically. Um, yeah, didn't he throw this, like a couple no-nos or a couple perfect games or something? But he was like the name for yeah many years from this class. And uh, and Jud Jud Fabian didn't sign with the Red Sox either. Yeah, so that's he, right. He's going back to Florida, I believe. Um, so yeah, I mean, a couple guys who probably would have gotten taken in the top thirty or so are, are gone. So I mean, just makes a an, an already weak class all the more weaker. Uh, so uh, apologies to anyone who's loaded up on uh, draft picks for this upcoming first year player draft. It's, it's definitely not stacked. No, I, I drafted blaze Jordan in the staff keeper league. And, um, you know, I saw you tweeting about him recently. Sounds like blaze is the creeping up your board. You like what you've seen from him? Yeah, man. I, I snuck him into the back of the top 400 dynasty update that went up last week. And even just since then, his stock has climbed. Uh, you know, with Blaze, I went back and looked at the outlook for the magazine. I mean, with him, it, the upside was just always in, incredibly obvious, right? Like just like the youngest player, I think of note from last year's draft, he's, he's still like 18 and a half right now, um, had as much power potential really as anyone from that draft, just, just crazy bat speed, crazy raw power. And it was just a matter of, you know, was he going to hit enough? How was the body going to age? And, you know, he, he opened in the complex league, which is exactly where you'd expect him to end up. I mean, I, I don't think anyone thought he was going to low A initially. But to go to the, the complex league and be one of the best hitters in the Florida complex league, uh, 17% strikeout rate. 304 ISO, four homers in 19 games, already getting the bump up to low A. I mean, you got to be feeling really good if you got Blaze Jordan in a first-year player draft. Uh, he's going to be inside my top 100 on the next update. I mean, if, if he hits at low A as an 18-year-old, if he, like if he strikes out less than like 25% of the time, hits for average, hits for power, uh, Blaze Jordan could be like a top 25 prospect by the end of the year. Um, he's just really, really exciting. So I uh, wanted to mention that. 
Um, and and for the, I know there's a lot of a lot of card collectors who listen to the show. Uh, get those get those really? plays Jordan rookie cards. Um, you know <laughs> every uh, white rapper's future favorite player plays. <laughs> well, you know, like like Jason Dominguez was going to be just a big time card, right? Like because it's it's the Yankees. It's like this this super hyped up uh, phenom. Blaze Jordan, kind of the same thing. Like he was a YouTube sensation back when he was 15. He, his first name's Blaze. He's a Red Sox prospect. Like if this guy, if this guy puts up crazy stats in the lower levels of the minors, I mean his stock's just gonna explode. Yeah, I see those maybe replacing like the throwback Nuggets jerseys in uh, New England <laughs> among like 17, 8 year old, 17, 18 year old white white rappers um james anything else before we pick our walk-up songs for the week uh yeah i just wanted to mention and uh and shouts to uh uh the the young bat company um for for kind of alerting me to this i originally excluded um patrick sandoval from my top 400 dynasty update Mm. Uh, unintentionally, I love Sandoval. I've got him all over the place, and I just—he wasn't on the last update, and I just—he kind of slipped through the cracks for me on this last update. So, um, I just wanted to mention that, like, in case in case you went and looked at it, like the first day or two, it was live on the site, and didn't see Patrick Sandoval there. Um, just know that that was a mistake. He is there now. He's inside the top. Uh, I am at 169 right now. So wow. I'm, nice. a, I'm a big, I'm a big Patrick Sandoval guy. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that oversight. And then as I alluded to, uh, I'm basically going to release a top, an update of the top 100. It's not going to be a full top 400 update, but an update to the top 100 prospects. As soon as Wander Franco graduates, uh, Kalinick's already graduated, but I felt it'd be fitting to kind of adjust that top 100 or so once those two big stars have graduated. Nice. Appreciate that heads up on those two items and appreciate all the insight as always. Why don't you uh, pick the walk-up song first this week, James? What you got? Uh, so I'm going to do uh, Public Enemy. Uh, Welcome to the Terror Dome. Nice. That's a classic. I think, uh, you know, Public Enemy, I think probably has had the most sort of positive social impact of any hip hop uh, rapper or group, probably. And, you know, a lot of their their songs still are, are very applicable today. So, um, and Welcome to the Terror Dome, I mean, what a, what a great track to walk up to. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that is I, a I great, really, I'm surprised I didn't even think of that one before but that's a great walk up song I don't even I don't really mind which part of the song is is in my walk up uh, I think it, I think it all pretty much works nice that's a good one now I last week picked one or maybe a couple weeks ago I forget what it was but picked a song from Better Call Saul I figured, you know, since I've been on such a Sopranos kick, I got to have one from The Sopranos, too. Two of the best shows in TV history. The big two, actually. You know, that's what we call them. Uh, Sopranos and Better Call Saul. So I got to have, I picked a song from one of my favorite episodes. It's uh, Living on a Thin Line by The Kinks from the episode with Tracy and, you know, Ralph Cifaretto. Kind of a dark episode. But the third, for the first thirty-two seconds of that song, just bang, and um, you turn up some bass, it really hits pretty hard. And by the way, James, I don't know if it's just because I've been watching The Sopranos or what, but been uh, going to a lot of Italian delis around here in Madison, hitting up some <laughs> good sandwiches, some good pasta salads. Have you ever been to Gino's Italian Deli in Madison? I have not. Uh, Gino's I- is really good. I go to the I go to the Jewish delis. Um, nice. I could uh, I haven't been to many of those, but I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, actually Al- Almentari I think counts as a 
as an Italian deli. Uh, although they kind of have a little bit of everything. Uh, I've been I've been to that one. I've not been to Gino's though. Maybe one someday soon we should uh, hit up lunch. You know, I'd, I'd Hell yeah. treat you to lunch at Gino's. Pretty damn good. But I figured I had to get a, uh, a soprano song and walking on a thin line. Man, look good, good track. Well, James, appreciate everything, man. Good luck in the rest of that first year player mock. I'll look forward to hearing more about that, and uh, hope you all will join us next week on the RotoWire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Try RotoWire today, free for ten days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to RotoWire.com forward slash try. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com